Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Cucaro, and I have back again my most favorite PT of all of those PTs would be Dr. Sharna Prasad, and we are going to continue to talk about pain here on Straight Shot Health Talk. Uh, and the purpose of these kind of discussions, where you're hearing audio or you're seeing us live and looking at us with our wonderful backgrounds, um, is to just to provide some perspectives on pain and how to incorporate the science of pain into clinical practice. As over and over again, what we have discovered, and Sharon and I have been doing this for quite some time and a lot of involvement in our local community with both clinicians as well as community members, is um, it, you, if we have this kind of superficial knowledge of pain, we'll tend to default in a lot of ways of almost like, I call it the poking with the pain science, where we almost look at it as this is some sort of needle that we can then drive into people and it only is applicable for certain situations. And instead what you're doing when you're taking the science of pain is you should be embodied that. It's like you learn these principles and then you are delivering care through them. So much so that you know that there's a time for education, there's a time not for education, there's a time to phrase your words, but you, it is a much more of an embodied principle rather than this procedural intervention that you do. So, Sharna, great to have you back on the show today. And I think you had something specific that you wanted to talk about, which is a really cool project that you guys are doing out in Lebanon. So why don't uh, you introduce the listeners to what that is? Uh, hi, Kevin. Thank you for the introduction again. Um, yes, what we are doing in um, Lebanon Community Hospital, which is um, a rural setting, um, we have what we call uh, what we are calling PTs in primary care. Um, we have a family um, medicine practice in which they have residents in there too. And um, we have a PT um, go in there um, half a day um, and then a half a day. So we have four PTs and they rotate through the whole week. Uh, and it's really cool. I just go there once a week, but the other PTs are the ones who are really doing the work. But um, it's a really cool setup. Um, in that case, we the primary care physician sees the patient, and based on um, what the patient's going through, they will call um, the PT, they'll page us, and then we'll go up there, we'll assess um, them, and it's a, it's a quick screen. And if we feel we need to give them um, a couple of exercises, we'll give them, or we, it's like a triage system for the for PTs. And if you feel, oh, you know what, they've been going through this for a long time, it might be best for them to have one-on-one -on -one PTs, or we decide, no, you know what, you would, they've had chronic pain and they could use some lifestyle medicine type things. So then we'll send them to our group class um, for physical therapy also. So it's like a triage system, but it's very interesting because, um, you know, we have this um, division in our head um, for physical therapists and other healthcare providers. Oh, if it's it's acute pain or subacute or chronic, and then there is no like like clarity as to, oh, this is acute. Oh, no, 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 no. Now it's subacute. No, no, no. Now it's chronic. Wait, it's it, it doesn't matter whether it's acute, subacute, or chronic. Pain is pain. pain you know, you got to treat pain with the same way that you would treat anything. And, and um, I'll give you an example because I'm, I'm a storyteller and I like stories better than, you know, trying to explain concepts. So we had a um, patient in primary care who came in with a shoulder pain and, you know, and I was with a student at that time and uh, she started telling a story and I said, so what's going on? She's like, well, you know, I, I exercise, I do a lot of weights and um, I also do yoga um, and I'm very fit overall. But um, this weekend, I just woke up um, 
in the morning with severe shoulder pain. And so we examined her, I let the student examine, she examined her, there's no strength deficits, there's no range of motion deficits, you know, very fit person. So, so then I asked her, so what is this going on in your life? And she, I, I, how's the stress level going on? And she just rolled her eyes and she's like, well, I'm a, you know, um, I'm an exit. I, I can't use the term because who knows it's a small town. Yeah, I might give away her um, identity, but she's like, I'm, an, uh, I'm at a position in the school district. Well, yeah, duh, right now we have, the schools are in such a mess. So I was like, well, let me tell you one thing. Your shoulder is strong as an ox. I use strong as an ox a lot because she was a strength. I mean, she was stronger than I was. I couldn't push her at all in, in so many things. She could do a full um, sun salutation. She could almost do a handstand is how much she was. So I said, you know what? Your shoulder is fine and your strength is good. Your range of motion is good, but you have pain. And your pain is very, very justified. And, you know, through the mask, you could see her eyes just relax because she was just scared that oh my gosh on top of all this i'm gonna have to go for physical therapy i'm gonna have to get an x-ray and and what it also did was it helped me talk to the physician it's like no 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 don't worry about ordering a x-ray or an mri she's she woke up in the morning with shoulder pain she's got things going on she's okay let her be and if something comes up later on we'll deal with it but for now all she needs to do is resume her activity we understand the stress is playing a big role in this. What are her thoughts? What are, what are her emotions? And the body sensations that she's feeling. And, and I gave her some mindfulness activities and did not need to give her exercises because she was already doing that. So it's that fine balance of you know, bringing that holistic approach into, um, into our clinic. It's very helpful. Well, but, but the, the difficult challenge is you understand what you're talking about. Right. You you have a embodied understanding of pain and um, and you can see how that then impacts clinical care, because there are some people would be like, well, you still haven't explained your pain as well. If you are thinking about pain in this cause and effect fashion, as if that there's musculoskeletal pain that's oozing, you know, the pain pus is oozing out of the muscles or if there's this and there's moving out of the ligament or it's postural and it's moving out of this, um, it, it becomes very easy to default to that kind of biomechanical viewpoint. And then it's like, well, when we, when we can't explain anything, then we'll say, oh, well, then it's that other type of pain, the chronic pain, that's still really real, but it's not quite as real as the physical stuff. And we're going to, um, now we can treat it with the science thing. So I just love how you do that interplay, even in an acute scenario, because so much of what is seen acutely is pain-related complaints, musculoskeletal-related pain complaints, of which we could say that there is no what I would call badness present. Badness meaning broken bones, infected tissues, torn ligaments, cancerous processes, infected, uh, you know, infections, and or um, autoimmune reactions when we're having this inflammatory response where the body itself is attacking the body, right? So we know that those are badness associated or badness contributors to an experience of pain. But you can have pain without those as well. It's just as real, it's just as severe, and it's just as deserving of, of compassionate care. So I loved how you do that. And the other phrase that I absolutely adored was you focused on your shoulder is strong as an ox super cool not only because it's the year of the ox which is my year so this should be a great year uh, if you guys are following the chinese zodiac at all. yeah but uh you know but but what because what i like about that is you didn't do the other thing is oh there's nothing um causing your pain right so now you have someone who's devalued 
who gets then threatened, who may actually have a flare uh, because we know about pain and threat. That becomes a new induced threat. And the other thing is you didn't minimize or complain at all. All you're doing is focusing on what you see, which is I am strong, you are strong, there's a positivity that's associated with that. Pretty, and again, you, and, you know, people can be strong and still have pain. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. I love that particular phrase. And then introducing that role of, so I, I want to kind of explore that more. How did you tie the idea? So once you, once you introduce it, your shoulder is strong as an ox and you still have pain, what else is going on in your life? And then she introduced these stressors so how did then you tie that in? Because I think that's a tricky point for a lot of clinicians is because then they say they don't know how to pull that in or present it in such a way that makes sense to the client, makes sense with the science and is easy to consume and understand and it and continues to validate their experience. So my favorite, um, and I know like you're sitting right in front of me, so it's kind of you know, talking about you, but the the pain triangle that you have used, um, I use that a lot. So what I will do is I'll take a piece of paper and just draw up here. Why don't I? Do <laughs> I'll just do it because I keep my dry erase right here <laughs> and it's just easier for me to do it this way. So I'll just take a triangle. I say, hey, so here, wh- what is what are the elements for a fire? And, you know, most of the time they're very good about that. They'll say fuel, um, oxygen, and heat. And I say, okay, so, um, and what happens to this fire if one of these elements is not there? And they'll say, the fire would be dead. And it's like, duh, what a dumb question is that? Sort of that feeling they have. And I say, okay, well, now for pain, it has those three main elements and the fuel is body sensations and in your case um what you said was it's throbbing it's hot it's uh um sharp you know whatever the words they had used in their narrative i'll pull that in and put it in there because sometimes i don't want to spend and i we only have so much time Mm -hmm. and because in primary care the beeper is buzzing boom 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 so we're jumping from one patient to the other so i'll pull what they told me and i said the heat is a big one is heat is your thoughts and beliefs right now you're worried that you know um all the thoughts that they use you know, it's like um i'm gonna have to go for physical therapy or what's gonna happen now now you know now um the shoulder is gonna be another uh, problem i'm gonna get an mri i'm gonna get um you know um, x-ray whatever it is that they had shared in the narrative i'll put that in there that's your thoughts and beliefs and what are the emotions you're going through right so and it's, they're like fear Fear is one of the big emotions. Frustration is another emotion. Um, and then, of course, if you go into the chronic pain, there's a whole bunch of other emotions. Mm-hmm. But in this particular patient, it was um, fear and frustration were the two main ones that came up. And then after we finished this, the big thing, I said, so what are you getting out of this? She's like, relief. That was her first thing. She's like, I am relieved that there's nothing terribly wrong with my because you could see it in her eyes you know the the mask was there and it was just like this face and then it just the the visual drop off like i'm okay Mm -hmm. and and so absolutely pain needs to be taught in the acute care more than anything because this is upstream work Mm -hmm. it's it's uh, i i I, uh, another story you know it's like my brain goes (laughs) ping pong 
So I was with my husband at the athletic club when the clubs used to be open. Um, it was about a year, year and a half ago. And I met this young physical therapist and he used to be a squash player with my husband and he went and got trained and he came back and I said, so what's going on? So tell me, how, where are you working? And he's like, well, I am um, doing, I'm doing a fellowship in sports medicine. I said, yeah, good. And she's like, uh, and said, uh, I also heard that you are primarily doing um, uh, chronic pain. Um, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, oh, why? I, I love what I do, but um, just a question. Do you guys work with pain at all? And he says, uh, yeah, but we do sports medicine. I said, how is that any different pain in sports medicine than it is in any other kind of pain? So that, that understanding is we're not there as a profession. You know, we're a long, long way from that place of uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 pain is pain. It doesn't matter whether you're in sports medicine or whether you're doing chronic pain work or whether you're in an acute care, whether you're working with a total hip replacement that just walked out of surgery. I mean, that didn't walk out of surgery or was brought in, you know, uh, or you're getting that person to get up and walk. You know, it doesn't matter. Pain is pain. Now, and, and um, I think that's one of the, the greatest frustrations. I know we've had it, and I know you know a lot of our colleagues have said the same thing. It's so difficult is because people have this dichotomy. And um, in particular, I'll speak from the physician experience. When I'm working with my physician colleagues who are extraordinarily challenging, if I talk about an audience that is probably the most difficult audience to work with, it's got to be physicians. Uh, because we have lots of training. We have lots of things that we think that we know. And to kind of pound through there doesn't work really well. But um, you know, they, it's like, well, we need the pain clinic. We need to send people to the pain clinic. And they wait until they've done all this crap or whatever, and then they'll send them to the pain clinic. And most, the vast majority of pain clinics out there, folks, are not pain clinics. They're injection clinics. And, um, and drugs. And drugs. And all drugs. It, well, it, it all, you know, totally off point, these, most, of, most of the physicians aren't necessarily even sending patients to the pain clinic because of pain. They're sending them because they don't want to prescribe opioids. Exactly. They want somebody else to do it, but they don't understand pain enough to recognize when and where opioids might be appropriate, when they aren't, and how to do it for themselves. So they're actually harming themselves, and particularly in the primary care setting. And I know that we've had a lot of dialogue that, and we've worked with a lot of primary care physicians specifically about it. But when you, when you can see the whole spectrum, what really happens with this pain treatment, and what I love about what you guys are doing with PTs in primary care, is you're actually delivering care in the location that it makes sense, where it now is embodied. It can now um, involve other health conditions. So maybe your back pains flare with a new diagnosis of something else, uh, you know, other medical conditions that may cause stress, and then all of a sudden your back pain flares, and then, and then being able to put that picture together and why your back pain may be flaring with this new traumatic diagnosis or you know, scary lab work that has been involved. Just it's huge, huge potential there. But returning to the triangle, what I, what I really like about that, and I, again, folks, I know I'm totally biased about the pain triangle, but when you're looking what what Sharna just said, where she's taking their narrative, people are like, well, how am I supposed to discuss this stuff? You just listen to your patient's story. And then when you kind of understand how this constructive process fits together, you can take out their own words and label the triangle so that it is their triangle. You just have to be able to recognize what a sensation is, to recognize what the cognitive element, which is kind of that future-oriented thoughts and beliefs and things, 
And then lastly, the emotion, which is really those fears and frustrations of what Sharna was talking about. And if you're reflecting that then back in their own language, that's really powerful. That is the key. Yeah. In their own language. You, you can't put your words in there. Oh, and that could be. No, 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 no. It's their words. You put that back into their triangle. And that is, that's it. It's basically the treatment is listen to their narrative and listen to it in a kind, compassionate, thorough way. So in order to do that, we have to take care of ourselves to walk in the room, to be in that that full presence. And we can't do that unless unless we've taken care of ourselves. So it boils down to taking care of the clinician first and then walking in, taking care of the patient. And even when we have four patients, like our beepers are going, okay, this patient, this doctor's calling you, this doctor's calling you, it doesn't matter. We can still be very present in there. And then the third, the last thing I do with them is um, if I give them some exercises, I'll say, I, I never use handouts. I've not been using handouts for a couple of years now. Um, I'll say, I mean, exercise handouts is what I mean. I'll say, so I, I'll give them three exercises at the most. And they, the, I'll say, so what are the exercises I gave? Uh, or what are the exercises you're going to do rather than what I gave? Because then the power is on them. Mm -hmm. And they go, wait, let me see. So it was this, this, and this. I said, do you mind writing them down? So they'll write it down for themselves. This way, it's not mine to do. Or, or um, I'll say, uh, if you don't remember the exercise, give me your phone, because everybody has a phone now. I'll take a picture of your exercises, and this way, you have it on your phone. Mm -hmm. But I don't do handouts anymore. It's like old school for me. No, I, and, and um, what people will tend to default what they should do from the clinical narrative and, and the clinical discussion to the handout and just say, oh, read this. Well, that doesn't do any good. Uh, and most handouts are pretty poor anyway. They're kind of mm -hmm. boring and dry. I, so I, I like that. And what other thing I like about that is um, there's a little psychological trick that you're using, either overtly or covertly, which is your decrease in reactance by that. Because then rather than this afford of you must do this, and nobody likes to be told what to do, you're yep. saying what can you do, mm -hmm. and now they are choosing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, and I know you do this too, but you didn't say it, was the functional focus, where what are you doing at home? Yeah. And what can you do? So that you're then incorporating in such a way that actually fits, again, that narrative of what that, what that person that you're working with can do, wants to do, has done before. So you're not introducing all these new variables in there saying, well, now you have to do, I don't know, whatever, some crazy exercise that's got some <laughs> crazy name to it and needs all this complex stuff. But great point. Absolutely, because the function is what they're interested in. I want to go back to doing yard work. Well, like, what kind of yard work do you, are you talking about? Are we talking about pruning mm -hmm. trees? Or are we talking about digging? Are we talking about shoveling? What is it that it's like, oh, well, all the above. Oh, well, let's do one of each then. I'll give you one for reaching above your head, one for digging, and one for getting on your hands and knees. You know, it's what is it that you want to do? It's like, it's it's not my yard. I'm not going out in this rain right now. But if you are, then hey, let's make that happen for you. Well, and that again, this is we're returning back and back again to this whole patient narrative. What's important to them? Because then rather than pathologizing or diseaseifying the human body and say, well, it must be that this tiny little teeny intrinsic muscle must be weak where the pain pus is coming from. So you have to do this super high complex, weird exercise. You know, you're just saying, well, what can you do? <laughs> what do you like to do? Oh, well, maybe you can do this, which would help to do what you already want to do. So I just 
I don't know. It's just beautiful. We need more Yasharna out there. So, no, well, you know, I'm just in, I'm just having so much fun in this space right now. I mean, I, I remember when you and I met about five years ago, I was in a complete burnout phase with my own back pain and all that stuff. So I feel like I am a transformed clinician and I am really enjoying it. So one more story. Um, I had another patient a couple of years ago when I was kind of relatively new to this, but I was playing around with it quite a bit and acute pain, uh, shoulder pain. And this lady had um, a couple of kids and just debilitating shoulder pain. <clears throat> and in, in her case, I was, I was like, so what is it that you want to be able to do? It's like, I want to cook. She was a chef. She was a professional chef, but was not doing that. She was being at home. So I said, so what do you do? How do you, uh, what do you want to be able to make? So I want to make a salad. Um, and I was like, okay, well, are you going to just get chopped lettuce and whatever? She's like, no, I do my own chopping and everything. I said, okay, let's visualize this whole process. So I, um, I was trying to explain pain to her and she wasn't really getting it very well. And I think this was our second visit or third visit. I can't remember. And I said, okay, let's just, just try visualizing. So I want you to visualize yourself tossing a salad and, you know, some dressing. I, I was like talking about a bottle of dressing and putting it. She's like, no, 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 I make all that by myself. <laughs> so as finally she came to tossing and she was just visualizing. And she said, oh my gosh, I feel pain just with the visualization. And that was it for her. That was it. I got it, Sharna. And I think after that, I saw her one more visit and she was, she was fine. She went back to do she once she got it in her head that this is once the action of doing making that salad got her to thinking differently. Uh, it, you know, it, it was life changing for her, but it was so exciting to see her. And then she told me that I'm doing fine. I'm cooking. I, I understand that pain is an output of the brain. And um, it was a hard concept for me to get. But once you let me experience that in that mindfulness session, I was like, well, let's just make the salad one step at a time. I was messing it up because I kept jumping ahead with her salad. So um, anyway, letting them lead is the, is the primary thing. And you're just guiding them gently. I, I like that. So um, a little off topic, but now I'm kind of curious about the salad. When you're saying you were, you were getting <laughs> off topic, were, were you saying, oh, and then next must be this or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because you were like, this is how I make a salad, which is a great point, right? Because there's, there's the salad metaphor here. Are you making, are you trying to make their salad or are you letting them make their salad? Right? Exactly. Because we all make those different things. And, and I do, I, I, I like that as if you ever think that if it's not connecting is then st take a step back and make sure you're letting them guide that process. Well, what is the next step in this for you? When you are making a salad, what is the first thing that you do? Okay, you've done that, and you can reflect it back. What next? Um, but I know you. Do you like salads? I think I'm assuming you like salads. I do like salads. Okay, that's but the I problem. Like shortcuts. Okay. I don't like shortcuts. I'm not <laughs> a big chef like... person. I, I don't spend so much time in yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. So I, I do shortcuts, but so I was jumping ahead. Mm -hmm. So and that and I was very early on in this thing in the pain world too i was just learning these concepts and there were all these um you know metaphors and cards we had bought that we were like oh we have to we have to teach pain science to our patients and they're not getting it and you know what i i and and you know one patient says do, do i look like a fifth grader and i was like oh my gosh this is really not the right way to do it and that's when i realized like all this pain science is for us we are the ones who have to understand it in its entirety and what you said is we have to embody it 
We have to embody the science and not go with an agenda. Oh, let me explain PNE to you, and let let me explain tissue damage or this uh, tissue issues and you know iron channels and this. No, no, no. Sorry, it's for us to understand and understand it thoroughly. That when that patient brings up that one sentence, you can help pivot them. And that's all it is. You don't need to educate them till the cows come home, but you need to help them understand that this, this pain of yours is not just tissue damage. You've had this for 20 years. And, and I'm going to bring that back to the acute setting again, because this is a really important point. And particularly if you're kind of getting new into this, and I still do this, you get so excited. I am super passionate about pain. I love pain. I know it's Sorry. hard. <laughs> so if people ask me a question about it, it is, it is very difficult for me to hold back and just to provide what is necessarily for them. But in an acute setting, this becomes really key. And I know you do this really well is because you don't need to provide everybody all this education in the world. Would it be awesome? Sure, it would be. It'd be like if I knew, you know, I had a problem with a light bulb and then all of a sudden, well, let me just teach you about electricity. Let me tell you about circuits and all that. If I knew all that, that'd be great, but I don't have 10 years. <laughs> and nor yeah, I'm not going to exactly. be an electrician. All I need to know is why my light bulb is not lighting. Exactly. And, and so if you understand then the principles of pain and you can use it in, in an acute center, you can figure out what the major sticking point is. And the one I'm always thinking about is your gentleman with the tables. Remember, he had low back pain, and he came in to see you, and you and um, long history of it. And I'm, I'm even thinking, though, what, what I'm trying to say here is it doesn't have to be long history. It can be acute, in this acute environment like the lady with the shoulder is. What's important to them? What's the fear that is sticking with them? What is the, you know, the dynamic threat that's associated with that fear? And if you can address that, oftentimes everything else downstream will be fine. So if you're a primary care physician and you can reassure your patients, they're coming with back pain and you can say, I know you're hurting. I can see that you're hurting and you see some limitations here. But, you know, you told me this things. This is how we can understand your pain. These are the different types of threats. The ones that would concern me as a physician would be, you know, broken bone, uh, uh, broken, torn ligament, inflammatory process, infected spine. And you know what? Based on what you've told me and how my examination went, I am not concerned about that. I know you still have pain, but these horrible bad things, I'm, I'm not, not concerned there. about. Exactly. Right? I, you're going to be okay. It's going to take some time. This is what to do next. And a lot of patients, like we, we tend to ignore them, I think, in a lot of ways when in that initial acute scenario. A lot of patients just want to know they're going to be okay. They're like, ah, mm -hmm. I'll be okay. I, this hurts. But if I know this you know, isn't going to paralyze me because I saw the stupid ad on TV that tells you the back pain and you know, whatever and run in as fast as you can and get MRIs, which is totally not evidence-based. Um, you know, once you provide that level of insurance, people do okay. Exactly. You know, a lot of people do okay. I also go over the red flags with mm -hmm. them. I said, you're concerned. You're concerned that you're going to be paralyzed. Okay, let me explain this to you. Oh, that, the patient you ref referenced about the story about the um, back pain, and I'm going to quickly, briefly tell you that story. Um, a patient with three years of back pain had come to me. Um, his passion was making picnic tables, and his biggest fear was that he had um, stenosis and he would be paralyzed and be in a nursing home like his mom um, and be lonely. So that was that was the main fear that we were working from. And um, and I asked him, I said, what do you understand by spinal stenosis? He says, the, the canal is getting narrower and, and over time it's going to press on my spine cord and nerves and I'm going to be paralyzed, you know? So that was a big fear. And I said, okay, so here's the deal. 
um, right now, there is no weakness in your legs. Watch you walk on your tippy toes. Watch you walk on your heels. Um, you can get on the floor, get up. You can get up from a chair, um, you know, 12, 15 times in 30 seconds. You are doing fine. You don't have any tingling and numbness around your private areas. You have no bowel and bladder issues. Um, so none of those neurological signs are your reflexes are normal. Um, none of those neurological signs are, are there right now. Now, if you notice that you are losing your strength, you're not able to walk on your heels or you're not able to walk on your toes or you have numbness in your private areas or you are loose, then you need to talk to your doctor and let them know that this is a concern for you. So they're like, well, I'm okay then. And, and he, it took us one visit one visit i know this sounds weird but i have documentation of that so we went from not doing anything to to being able to meet his goals the fear plays such a big role and the meaning of pain in this case the meaning of pain was i am going to be paralyzed like my mom in a nursing home alone and i said you're not there yet you might be but you're not there yet. We can. We are in Oregon. We are on a fault line. We we're gonna have an earthquake sooner or later. We keep they keep telling us that. So we can either stop working and just sit in our homes with ten you know gallons of water and all the food and everything and not do anything because the earthquake is coming, or we can live our lives. And if the earthquake comes, we will take care of it when it does. So he got it, and next thing he was building his um, picnic tables. He was loading sheetrock and his um, truck and he was a no-show on the you know the third visit and I said well, what are you doing and he's like well I'm, I'm fine you take care <laughs> of other patients I'm doing fine I don't need you so I didn't explain any pain stuff to him I did not have a chance to because he understood that he was okay that's mm -hmm. all he needed to know yeah I, I love that story and, and uh, I like that one too yeah, that it, was it, one of my best stories because like how do you help someone with chronic pain in one visit you know that was my example of that it doesn't happen all the time but once in a while you get lucky well here, another interesting about that is when they when he didn't show up for a scheduled appointment you called to figure out why right yeah. and um i obviously not being you and so i'd love to hear this experience but that would be i'm curious to see how they're doing if they're doing okay a lot of clinicians if you're frustrated by pain and you don't understand it and you find it very challenging and you find it's like this battle and, and you don't know what you're, what you're doing or what they're doing, you may have looked at it and said, oh, well, they're non-compliant. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah. Instead of being curious about what the, the case was. And in this situation, obviously it was really good. Now, does that happen all the time? No, but it's, it would be much better to at least have an idea of what sort of other distressors may be involved with somebody not falling off rather than just saying, oh, they're non-compliant. I'm gonna fire them from the clinic or whatever. So. Well, I, I follow up with all my patients because uh, we are very lucky in where, we, where I work. Um, and I only see um, chronic pain patients because there are a lot of younger clinicians who enjoy seeing their acute patients. And I'm not, in, I, I, I prefer not seeing them. So, so we can call uh, that lower complexity, perhaps, versus yeah, higher lower com complexity. complexity. You know, it's like you're doing a 30-piece puzzle versus doing a 1,000-piece puzzle. Mm -hmm. I like the 1,000-piece challenge much better. Um, but I lost my train of thought there. So there you go. Sorry. I don't oh, know. No, you're following up all with your patients. You follow up all oh, yes. patients. Oh, yes. So we have um, an hour visit um, for, the, for the for my chronic complex patients. I have an hour visit with each patient, an hour evaluation and an hour follow up, which is which is a luxury. And I I am very grateful to my manager, who Bob Long, who lets us do that. 
But so if, if their patient is a no-show or a cancel, I have that time to call them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, it's like sometimes they'll say, um, you know, I'm, I have car trouble. So I'll call them and say, hey, what's going on? What's the car trouble? Do you not have a car at all? Here, here are some other options. But these appointments are really important to me. And you, because I put in a lot of we put in a lot of effort into this. So um, if your car is giving you trouble, can you have a backup plan? You know, and, and those social determinants of health are big, big, big obstacles in our care. Mm -hmm. And we are fully aware of that. And we're we are also like we got a grant, um, a small mini grant, and we are now giving gas cards to our patients if they cannot make it. Mm -hmm. We also do telehealth and all that. So, yeah, we, we are acknowledging that, that, you know, those transportation, food, is poverty is such a big issue, housing, you know. So anyway, those are all contributors to our pain experience. Well, and, and pulling back strictly to talking pain, you calling and then saying, these are important visits to me. Taking care of you is important to me. What, how much safety is inherent in that statement? And how validating would that feel to be, to receive a call like that, that somebody cares? Because we, we know oftentimes with the complex, um, the, the complex pain is there's so many multiple stressors and there's so many types of threats, including ones where they not only not feel validated, may not feel safe in their home environment. They may feel not uh, that they're loved or even deserving of love, which is incredibly important to this human experience so in this situation we're talking specifically about pain so i you know that's amazing and as i said before we need a lot more of you it'll be we need more sharnas in this world well, we're, i'm doing what i'm i'm in this world to do right now i i feel like i am living my purpose living my values you know i'm doing the i'm i'm in the right place right now that's we'll see how long that lasts so but right now it's good. It's all good. It's all good. Well, I am going to, I think we have a lot of different topics we can continue to delve into, but we will save those for a future episode. I'm enjoying our conversations because I get to talk to one of my favorite people and talk about my favorite subjects with this pain. I hope you guys out there are getting something useful from it. Um, if you do have questions, feel free to email them directly to me, drkevin at straightshothealth.com, and we will present them. And maybe we can have little discussions on, on uh, listener questions in some episodes here. Uh, but as always, stay well, folks, and until next time, uh, study your pain and uh, remember that all pain is pain. Take care. <laughs>